So why don't you open up in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 33. That will be our text today. Pardon me. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. But we're actually going to read verses 22 through 33. So why don't we stand up and we will read the Word of God. It says in verse 22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And then verse 33, our text says, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, we give thanks and praise to you for this time to talk about this important aspect of marriage, love and respect, the love of the husband, the respect of the wife. Lord, we just ask and pray that you would use what you've given me to share for good in the hearts of all gathered and listening. Anoint it, use it for your purposes. Help me to set it forth, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You could be seated. Let me begin by saying there are differences between men and women. There are differences between men and women. I know we live in a society which teaches and wants people to believe there are no differences between men and women. But the truth is, there are differences between men and women. And one could just visit the local Piggly Wiggly to see what I assert is true. You could stand inside the Piggly Wiggly and see what I assert is true. You could stand outside the Piggly Wiggly, sit in your car outside the Piggly Wiggly and see what I say is true. I'm a people watcher and I always point out to my kids the differences between men and women in the oddest situations and the most common situations. I point them out. So if you're in the Piggly Wiggly, you'll notice that if there's a long line, right? Here's what happens. Every guy in the line of the Piggly Wiggly has all his money ready. He's ready to make his purchase and get out. Every woman in the line is the exact opposite. She's already stood in this long line. She's finally up there. All her items have gone through the thing. And then the lady says, and that'll be blah, blah, blah. And for the first time, the woman thinks, opens her purse, and begins to think about having the money to pay. 
I know that isn't every woman, but I'm talking in generalities here. And I've seen it a thousand times. And all the men in the line look at each other knowingly like, yes, here we go. And if they pull out the checkbook, that's like the worst thing. So every guy is different. Women are different from men. Guys want to make their purchase and get out of there. The woman's just like, oh, enjoying herself. And you see these same differences outside the Piggly Wiggly. I'll sit in the car with my kids, you know, and Clara goes in, and I don't know what she does in there all that time to get two items. But anyways, it's a little while, and so I tell my kids, let's watch how long it takes each woman to get in her car before she actually puts it in gear and leaves. And I say, let's watch each man get in his car and watch how long it takes before he puts it in gear and leaves. And so we'll average it all out. And most women take about five minutes from the time they get in their car till they put it in gear and leave. And all my kids are sitting there and I'm asking them, I say, what do you think they're doing in there? What could possibly be going on that long? Well, they're inside their car in the parking lot of a Piggly Wiggly. And then every guy who comes out, within 30 seconds, he's gone. He gets in his car, starts it, puts it in gear, and leaves. (laughs) So there are differences between men and women. They're noticeable all the time. And they're kind of fun to watch, you know. God's made each for their purpose in the earth, their distinctions. Our text here reveals there are differences between men and women also. Because it says here that the man is to love the wife, verse 33, and the woman is to respect the husband. So there are differences between men and women, and even our text reveals this, as the man and the woman are to focus on two different things. The man is to focus on his love for his wife, and the woman is exhorted to focus on her respect for her husband. Why these two? I used to wonder about that in this passage when I was younger. Why the man is told to love his wife and the wife is told to respect the husband Does that mean the wife doesn't have to love the husband? Does that mean the husband doesn't have to respect the wife? Why the difference? As I got older, I saw why the focus is different. I've counseled hundreds of couples with marriage problems, and this helped me to see why the difference. The reason the focus is on men to love their wives is because men often find it difficult to demonstrate or express their love for their wife. And the reason the focus is on the woman to respect the husband is because once that respect is lost, it's difficult for the marriage to survive. The greatest troubler of marriage is a wife who is unsure of her husband's love for her. That is why the husband is exhorted to love his wife. And a woman losing respect for her husband is the hardest thing to overcome in a troubled marriage. That is why the wife is exhorted to respect her husband. I hope you're getting all this. 
because what I talked to you about here this morning is huge, massively important for the marital relationship. When a woman loses respect for her husband, she is now at war with him. And I've seen this a thousand times. She goes to war with her own husband once she's lost that respect. She begins to speak poorly of him to the children. She begins to talk to others about him, not with an aim to correct or help, but to undermine and destroy. Proverbs 14, verse 1, mark that down if you're taking notes. Proverbs 14, verse 1 says, The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. The foolish woman tears her own house down. And when a woman loses respect for her husband, that's what she does. She begins to tear down her house. Can a marriage be restored once that has happened? When I was younger, 20 to 30 years ago, I would say the respect is for the man to destroy. The respect that his wife has for him is for the man to destroy. He has her respect and it is his to throw on the floor and destroy. Nine times out of ten, the man would cause it. 20 to 30 years ago. Nine times out of ten, the man would cause his wife to lose respect for him. Things are much different now. Now I would say it is only six out of ten times, or possibly only five out of ten times, that the man causes it. Women now are taught by this culture to disrespect their husbands. They're taught by the culture, by society, to do that. It is seen in the media, in entertainment, in academia, in the halls of government, in the halls of the judiciary, and all of it is aided and abetted by the majority of pulpits. So women lose respect for their husbands because all the forces of society teach her to be discontent with her husband, to look for shortcomings, to make molehills into mountains. And some women more easily lose their respect than others. What is respect? How is it defined? The 1828 Webster Dictionary says, to have regard for, to view or consider with some degree of reverence, to esteem as possessed of real worth, that estimation or honor in which men hold the distinguished worth or substantial good qualities of others. That's the 1828. The modern one says, a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities, qualities, or achievements. Notice the 1828 one didn't talk about feelings, but the one now does. We live in a culture that's big on feelings. But nevertheless, respect regards the abilities, qualities, achievements, the worth that someone sees in another. When a woman loses reverence for her husband, when she no longer can see his distinguished worth or his substantial good qualities, 
when she no longer sees his worth and no longer has regard for him or feelings of admiration, it is very hard for her to recover that. Having counseled hundreds of couples, I'm telling you, very hard to recover that. The marriage will succumb nine times out of ten to a bitter demise. The woman will begin to be at war with her own husband when she loses that respect. The scriptures address this sort of woman. She begins to tear down or pull down her own house with her own hands. It's a terrible thing to watch. The scriptures further define such a woman. Such a woman becomes contentious and quarrelsome. Proverbs 21, verse 9 states, quote, Better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious or quarrelsome woman. As Proverbs 19, verse 13 says, quote, A wife's quarreling is a continual dripping, unquote. That's what ends up happening once the woman loses respect for the husband. Proverbs 12, verse 4 declares, quote, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. And in the end, because she's at war with her husband and tears him apart and tears down the entire house, such a woman becomes rottenness to the man's bones. And it all starts with her loss of respect for her husband. Guard your hearts, women. Guard your hearts. Guard your hearts and hold your respect for your husbands as dear. Don't allow society or even his ill behavior to remove that from you. Draw close to him. Guard your heart. You men, you too must guard against this. Remember, all of society wants you to fail. All of society is teaching her not to be content, not to look at the good and only look at the bad, that her happiness is paramount, to be self-centered rather than other-centered, a huge problem throughout all of society, not just within the marital relationship. And remember what I said? It is first and foremost yours to lose, men. It is first and foremost yours to lose. You possess it. You possess her respect. That is a great part of why she married you. She saw your substantial quality. She saw your worth. And she reverenced you. She respected you. She admired you like no other. It is yours to lose. It is yours to take and throw on the ground. Do not disappoint her. Do not throw such a treasure onto the ground and trample it by taking her for granted or speaking harshly to her or not giving her prominence in your life. Don't destroy it by watching porn. Devastating to a marriage. Don't destroy it by displaying bad conduct or qualities. 
She thought of who her husband would be and what qualities he would possess since she was a little girl. From the time a woman is a little girl, from the time a little girl is a little girl, she thinks about her wedding day. As much as even this culture has tried to destroy all that out of the minds of females and men, the importance of marriage, it's innate. It's there. Men, we're not that way. We don't think about our wedding day when we're little boys. We don't even think about our wedding day when we're teenage boys. We don't even think about our wedding day until probably about 48 hours before it takes place. You notice the women put all the time and effort into it? And what is our responsibility? Oh, pretty much just show up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Pretty much. She's been thinking about this since she was a little girl. Don't spit on all that, brothers. Don't spit on all that. And women, give some of those romantic fantasy ideas a rest. They're not realistic. <laughs> they, are, they are not. All men and I speak of mankind, all males and females have strengths and weaknesses, all have shortcomings. We are all but mere men. We all suck in some way. Be forgiving. Be forgiving. So men, her respect for you is foremost yours to throw away. Be humble. Be manly. Be kind Cherish her. Hold her dear in your heart. You are to love her. That is the exhortation. She is to respect you. You are to love her. Love is the key. Loving your wife is the key. When your wife knows that you love her, when she has that assurance in her heart that you love her, she will maintain her respect for you. That's how important it is. Remember, it was your love for her which caused her to submit to you. And it is your love for her which will maintain her respect for you. The passage here, our passage, here in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33, draws a simile between our marriage relationship and our relationship with the Lord. That's how huge the marital relationship is. When we are wed to Christ, we do so voluntarily. We voluntarily submit our lives to him and decide to follow after him. So it is with your wife. When she decided to marry you, she decided to voluntarily submit her life to your headship. And that is a God-given desire within women. Society has to destroy that out of them, or your ill behavior has to destroy that out of them. It's a God-given desire. Genesis chapter 3, back in the garden, verse 16, God tells Eve, and your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. It is a God-given desire that society hates and wants to rid, or your own ill behavior can help destroy. Paul speaks of this arrangement, the man being the head, in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 8 and 9. 1 Corinthians 11, verses 8 and 9. 
When the Bible talks about the woman submitting to her husband, what kind of submission is the Bible talking about? A voluntary submission. A voluntary submission. And men, why did we submit our lives to Christ? It is because we knew he loved us. For all that was on during the all, you know, everybody's got their soteriology. For all that goes on, when you're being, this is what I remember. His holiness. I knew I was a sinner. The Spirit of God, His Holy Spirit, was convicting me of sin, righteousness, and judgment as I sat there. For the first time, I felt dirty for the way I'd lived my life. I knew I was guilty in the sight of God. And yet at the same time, I'm tasting his love. And that was what astounded me most of all. I didn't even love myself. I didn't think my own mother loved me. He loves me. He loves me. That's the overwhelming thing. We're to submit our lives to him and allow our lives to be governed according to his rule is the fact that he loves us. And it's the same with the woman towards her husband. He loves me. And that's why she admits, submits to your headship. That is what convinced us to lay down our lives before him and no longer live our lives for ourselves and our own selfish pursuits, but to live for him. Was it not his love? Yes, it was his love. And so it is with your wife. When she knows that you love her, she has at ease with being in submission. And her respect for you will be maintained in her heart. Think well on the things I share with you this morning. These are massively important building blocks to a good, joyful marriage filled with goodness. This I know from my own experience. May Christ be praised. Let's stand up and we'll close in a word of prayer. Hallelujah, Father. We give thanks and we give praise to you, O God, that you have watched over us. We thank you that you have loved us, that you've kept us. We thank you for your goodness to us, knowing our lives would be nothing without you. Futile, vain, meaningless, without you. We thank you, O God, that we know you, that we know your truth your ways, your thoughts, so that we can live in obedience to them and taste the goodness of it all here on this planet. Lord, that we don't have to feel in the dark, that we're not wandering in the darkness like so many who have no truth, kicking against the pricks, living in rebellion, destroying their own lives, thinking that they know better than you. Lord, I ask and pray that you help each marriage here to be strengthened in you, O God. That both husband and wife would draw close to you, that they would pursue you, and as they do, it would draw each other closer to one another. We thank you, O God, for your goodness to us. And the spouse that you've given us. And Lord, I ask and pray that each would do right by you. 
with what their role is to play within the marriage relationship as man or woman, as husband or wife, as father or mother. May they do right by you, I ask. Bring a closeness and a dearness to each couple here in the days ahead. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And there's one thing I wanted to add to that, and that's this matter of the vicious cycle. The vicious cycle. And what the vicious cycle is, is where the guy has an attitude towards his wife because he feels she isn't respecting him, and the wife has an attitude towards her husband because she feels he isn't loving her. So the guy will sit there and he'll say, she doesn't respect me, that is why I don't love her. The woman says, he doesn't love me, that's why I don't respect him. Or it comes out in questions. She doesn't respect me, so why should I love her? He doesn't love me, so why should I respect him? It's a vicious cycle, a vicious cycle. So how do you get out of that vicious cycle as a couple? How do you, re- how do you remedy it? by you being faithful to your vows that you made to Christ when you vowed to your spouse. That's how you remedy it. You uphold your end of what you vowed before the Lord regarding your spouse. And it's been my experience that 85% of the time, once one spouse does that, the other spouse comes along and everything gets fixed. The other 15% of the time, you just married a whack, and you're stuck with the person. But 85% of the time, it works. So you can break this vicious cycle, and you must break it, and you break it by upholding your vows in the sight of Christ. Amen? So I just wanted to add that.